Thank you for listening to the CEO-ish podcast with me, Taylor Graham. And me, Chloe Willemson. Hello and welcome back to CEO-ish podcast. We are still Chloe and Taylor, and this week we are back with part two of our Rudy Berry episode. If you have not checked out last week's episode, which was part one with Rudy, definitely go give that one a listen. We will have it linked in the show notes for you guys for easy clickability. That episode really dives into Rudy's story, her journey as a beauty creator, her recent career transition, and is overall mental health oriented. While this episode is going to be diving more into social media, algorithms, and growth strategies for creators. As we mentioned in last week's episode, we did have to batch record these intros for our new podcast manager and editor, Joanna. So we don't have any new updates to catch you guys up on this week. So we're just going to jump straight into our products of the week and our small business shout out. So we have even more time to hang out with Rudy. I lied. Before we do that, I am the one person who has a small update before we fully dive in. So based on our conversation last week with Rudy and everything we chatted about, and also the chaotic life and very vague update that I gave in the intro, I decided that I need a hobby. And I've always wanted this and denied this part of myself, but you know me, I love beauty. I love all the products, etc. So I decided... I've inconsistently tested this out. I never like gave my heart and soul to it, but I decided for shits and giggles, you know what? I'm going to post a beauty video on TikTok that I didn't actually make for Instagram reels and just repost it to TikTok because that's truthfully been my strategy. I've been very lazy on TikTok and also very inconsistently posting like once every two to three months, Mm -hmm. just when I feel like it and I'm proud of the work I produce. But I decided to just shits and giggles. Hair wasn't really done, like felt super authentic. I was wearing a big t-shirt. Like it wasn't even anything super cute. The video currently almost has 10,000 views, which isn't that many in terms of the TikTok world, but I got 40 new followers from that one video. And for me, that has never happened with a single one of my Instagram posts. And I know people talk about how TikTok's algorithm isn't the same as what it used to be, but I still think it's extremely explosive and viral and volatile in that sense. So I'm having a really fun time experimenting with it. I've been posting like one to three times a day and I'm just, I'm going to keep going with it and see what kind of an experiment I can draw from this. I'm trying really, really hard not to turn it into like a social media experiment because I genuinely love that this feels like a hobby again. Like I'm literally just posting products that I already have, I already love or products that I would be buying anyways, giving my thoughts and opinions, like just general reviews and sharing things. It's so fun. I don't know why. I did. Well, actually, I know why I didn't do this earlier. It's because TikTok didn't exist until 2020. And I vowed to myself that I was not a YouTube person. Like, I just don't have the time or attention span mm-hmm. for YouTube. I wish I could be a YouTube girly. They, those people have so much skill. And I respect the hell out of what they do because of how much time they're able to dedicate to it. I just don't have it in me. But yeah, Rudy, if you're listening to this, you inspired me to start TikTok. It's going well thus far. And I wanted to give everybody that small update. But other than that, we can get into our favorite products now. All right. So mine this week, I know two weeks ago, I said I would give you guys an update on this Elf Brow Lift. I got to say, I might like it better than Anastasia's. This is the dupe for the brow freeze, right? Like the clear wax. This is the like $6 dupe. 
Dude. And I might like it better. I highly recommend. Like, I love it. <laughs> I'm not buying Anastasia's again unless this one's sold out for sure. Tell me why. I There are like four major dupes in the TikTok sphere that say that they're like just like the Anastasia. One of them is that elf one that looks exactly like it. It comes in the pot. You need mm-hmm. the spoolie. But there's a couple from NYX. Like there's two different brow gels from really? NYX that have like the spoolie. Like it's a clear, like you untwist it like a mascara wand type mm-hmm. situation and do it with your brows that way. I like that concept. It's easy. It's a lazy girl product for sure, you know? I have Anastasia's version of that too. Okay. And I hate it. Interesting. It doesn't work at all. But I also, my eyebrows, I feel like need more of like that freeze hold on them. So like, I don't know, Taylor, your brows are phenomenal naturally. So Uh, it would probably work good for you. No, 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 no. (laughs) Taylor has had a unibrow since she was 10 and had to wax her eyebrows since then. (laughs) Okay. After they're waxed, I feel like you don't need products really. I do. I have a big ass nasty scar and a unibrow. (laughs) <laughs> I have a unibrow and some very wily hairs on my tail that don't like to lay flat. Mm-hmm. So I'm with you in the I need the freeze because otherwise they literally like curl like a spiral. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just do whatever they want. But yeah, seriously, the elf $6 brow freeze, totally worth it. Not even worth it because it's still a deal. <laughs> you have my attention. Yeah. Great. Great dupe. I love it. Um. Also, NYX is underrated. Very underrated. You were saying that? They make some good products. They have a lot of good dupes, I feel like. 2012 Taylor, their jumbo eyeshadow pencils were all I would wear. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I do love like, I haven't really done a bold lipstick in a while, but I love their lipsticks too. The soft matte lip creams fuck. Mm-hmm. To this day, absolutely fuck. Yeah, they're great. You don't need to spend $50 on lipstick. Nick's, Nick's got you covered. Honestly, their butter glosses are really good too. Like this is a this is a now yeah. official <laughs> NYX stand podcast. NYX promo. <laughs> All right, what's your product this week? Uh, I'm coming in hot with another perfume recommendation, dude. Ooh. I bought two perfumes in a Sephora haul. Both of them were travel sized sprays. They were perfumes I wanted for a while, but I'm testing them in travel sized versions because perf- as we as we covered last week, okay, perfume is expensive. Not mm-hmm. everybody has between one and three hundred dollars to drop casually on a bottle of perfume at any given moment. No. And the one that I'm shouting out this week is the Juliet has a gun pair. Ink. Love that. You smelled Love the pear it. one? Oh my God. It the is- pear one? No, I haven't. I didn't even listen to that part. I just heard <laughs> Juliet has a gun and I was like, yes. Okay. A, I think in general, this brand does some of the most wearable musky fragrances. Like they smell like a yes. second skin. Love and it. Part of me, because I've tried their OG, which I think is just the OG Juliet has a gun. I like the intense version better just because I like my perfume to have some throw. Like I want you to be mm-hmm. able to smell it when you're walking past me. I don't want you to have to like hug me to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. They have the sunny side up, which my mom wears a lot. So it's like a very nostalgic scent. It just reminds me of my mom. The Moscow Mule fragrance. I had a travel sized bottle of that one when I went to, was it Florida or was it Mexico? Some tropical vacation. And now it always reminds me of being on vacation. So I just have such nostalgic like ties to this brand and their fragrances. And they came out with the new pear one a few months ago. I'm not sure how new it was. It had been on my radar for a few months. It's so good. It's got like this juicy, sparkly pear note on top of like their regular musky fragrance. Mm -hmm. You got to smell it, dude. Go to Sephora. Give it a sniff. Give it a sniff. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. That sounds like I would love it. 
the Sephora sale is also coming up too. So you can get it like, I don't know, depending on your level, but probably like 15, 20% off. I'm guessing you're a beauty insider. Yes. That just made me think, okay, so when I signed up for Alter Rewards, I must have given them my wrong birthday. I don't know how I did that, but they think my birthday's in December. So this last birthday that just passed, I was like, oh shoot, I'm not going to get a gift because I forgot to get it in December. I don't know. That just reminded me You know what? I'm going to shit on Ulta and their birthday program for a minute, okay? Because I like how Sephora does their birthday options where everybody gets the same like two to three options. And then if you're on like their highest tier, you get like a third, fourth bonus option to pick from. That's fine. Ulta switches the item that they give the birthday people. I can't figure out if it's quarterly or if it's like with the Zodiac calendar or something because my mom and I complain about this all the time, but we always feel like our birthday months get gypped because mm-hmm. the the my mom's a March birthday and I'm using this as an example. The month prior to her birthday for February, they were giving away like a really expensive hair spray from a brand. And then the month of her birthday, they gave away a $9 Ulta eyeshadow, which like not to say, is it a good product or like that? I wouldn't adore having this Mm -hmm. eyeshadow or anything or to shit on the product, but the value there was not equivalent at all. And that's happened to me before where one year on my birthday, I got like a travel sized bottle of something and then the next month after was like a full size urban decay eyeshadow palette and I was like what is what consistency that's so weird I will say like the last couple years I've liked December's gift better than February's anyway but yeah this year I just completely forgot about it in December so I was like shit gotta wait till next year (laughs) I wonder if you could well it's March now it's probably way too late it's probably girl your birthday is done (laughs) but I was gonna say like there was that second surgence of like when people were were stopped traveling around Christmas because the Omicron variant Mm -hmm. was like spiking so I wondered if you could be like I just wasn't out at the time you know can I claim it now but they're definitely probably with that item just gone so I don't know what it was yeah Whatever. I will get over it. (laughs) But anyway, I will go into our small biz shout out because recently I have been obsessed with eclectic home decor. That's really what my entire For You page is on TikTok is just eclectic homes. I love the videos you send me so much. Yeah, I just blow up Taylor's inbox all the time with like, look at this rug. Look at this melted disco ball. I'm obsessed. It's okay. Every day. You probably wake up to at least 50 videos for me because my prime TikTok hours are like midnight to 5 a.m. when you're asleep. <laughs> it's great. I'm not complaining. But one of my favorite new accounts to follow for this eclectic home decor is at Harriet Says Hi. Inspired by all things food and the quaint beauty of the dinner table, Harriet creates uniquely charmed hand-tufted rugs and other home decor. Each piece is designed and crafted in their South London flat using dead stock Axminster wood. Wool. I don't know if that's how you pronounce that. Wool. Wool. That's the one I heard. I was so focused on the first word, I pronounced wool wrong. An epic <laughs> from epic rubs rugs depicting humorous tablescapes to uplifting wool. Okay, I need you to pause this. <laughs> I'm gonna start that sentence over. So Harriet creates uniquely charmful hand tufted rugs and other home decor. Each piece is designed and crafted in their South London flat using dead stock Axminster wool from ex- epic rugs depicting humorous tablescapes to uplifting wall hangings and placemats that cheer up your home. She loves to create bold, nostalgic textiles that aim to put a smile on your face. And I need to go look up their website right now because I did not do that. 
It is HarrietSaysHi.com. That's H-A-R-R-I-E-T-S-A-Y-S-H-I.com. Go check out all of their cute stuff. And I think we are ready to welcome Rudy back for part two. Yes. And one of these days, <laughs> we will get through the small business shout out without it being a fucking shit show. But that day yes. is not today. Not today. <laughs> all right. We hope you guys enjoyed this conversation with Rudy and we will see you guys on the other side. All right. Welcome back, Rudy. We are so happy to have you. After our talk last time, we all just left feeling like we had more to say. So welcome back for part two. Oh my gosh. Thank you. And I'll have everyone know this was my idea. (laughs) (laughs) I love to talk. Yes. And we jumped right on that. (laughs) Yes. I just felt like we spent the whole time talking about me and I just felt like this podcast, there are so many people who listen to get ideas and to get strategy. And that's just something that, you know, I could talk about forever. Mm -hmm. So I'm really excited to be back. Well, I think it would be super beneficial if we all kicked off by talking about even in general, how to pick your platforms. Because Rudy, I know you're on YouTube, IG and TikTok, as we've talked about. I've said this before on our podcast, but I don't think I could ever be a YouTube girl. There's so much work that goes into YouTube. I admire the YouTube people because of how much work goes into the editing, the scripting, the SEO. Like YouTube in itself is a full-time job, even as a hobby. And that's why I pick podcasting because it's just the audio part of YouTube, in my opinion, you know? Totally. Yeah, YouTubing is by far the hardest of the platforms that I work on, and it's also the most rewarding and fulfilling. It's just, I don't know, long-form content to me is what I always consumed growing up, and so it was like the first idea for me when I thought about doing this. But yeah, I, I love YouTube, but I totally agree. It is something that you have to have to love and really want to do to do it because it is an insane amount of work and it's a long time before you see a return on your investment in that work. That's for sure. Now, what about just picking your platforms in general, coming back to that, how did you know that all of the platforms that you're managing now were right for you and something that you could consistently keep up with? Yeah, for sure. Well, so first, I think the best thing to do is just start with one. Um, So like I mentioned, I had been doing YouTube for probably six months before I started on TikTok. Um, And honestly, my TikToks, I was super like (laughs) late to the game because that was musically before it was TikTok. And to me, I was like, this platform is for literal children. I should not be here. I remember that feeling. (laughs) Yeah, right? And then as TikTok sort of became more mainstream, I think – I was like, you know what? I loved Vine, like loved Vine. And so I was starting to get that vibe from it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to try it. And first it was just me consuming that. And then it was, um, you know, making little tiny TikToks and little videos to be like, yeah, this could kind of complement my YouTube channel. But yeah, would definitely recommend starting with one and perhaps starting with one that you would actually stick with. Um, So for me with YouTube, I already had like a huge list of ideas of videos that I wanted to film. So because of that, I already had this kind of momentum going of what I wanted to do. So even if it's just coming up with a few video ideas and then kind of being like, you know what, do I have enough content to make this into long form or is it better suited for me to turn this into a series and do it on TikTok? Do I have enough time to really sit down and edit or is it better suited for me to just film within the TikTok app and edit there? Because that is 
an option. You know, these apps are getting better and better when it comes to in product and just editing in general. So, so that's where I started. And then I realized um, that Instagram was really, really pushing for people to use reels, which, Mm -hmm. you know, everyone is trying to compete with TikTok these days, including Instagram, Instagram the most at this point. And I realized, you know what, I could just re-upload my, my TikToks to my reels and hit a whole new audience without having to do really that much extra work. And that has been sort of the ticket for me when it comes to Instagram. And that at some point I realized, oh shit, I'm doing all three. And I found a way to make it work because I'm kind of repurposing that content across them all in different ways. Not to say that I recommend doing all three because it literally is so much work, but you know, if you have a lot to talk about like I do, I it's super fun to kind of interact with different audiences on all of them. Now, I'm interested to take the Instagram segue for a little bit because first of all, I want to hear your opinion as a creator who's been newer to the Instagram scene in terms of like the Instagram reels and like utilizing the platform in that purpose. Instagram really seems like it's a to me confused as a platform, yeah. <laughs> like it doesn't know what it's doing anymore. But from everything that the CEO is saying, uh-huh. it's pushing to be more of an e-commerce platform. And we can see that with the most recent updates. I mean, they have the subscriptions feature, there's mm-hmm starting to be able to have more capabilities for tagging products and easily shopping within the platform. Right. How are you as a creator seeing this be beneficial to you? And how are you going to be weaving these features into your strategies? Are you even considering these features? Yeah, it it's a tough one because I will say with with YouTube and with TikTok, it feels like they're at least pretending that it's creator first. And with Instagram, they're very much like, you know what, really, we just want to make money and we want businesses to be here. I, I feel like they haven't really become as creator centric as the other apps as much as they say that they are. I feel like they're kind of leaving out this section of people like us who are just people looking to promote specific products rather than brands. Um, so yeah, those are great features for brands and for stores and for shops who who want to sell directly on Instagram. But for me, I kind of toggle between these two things where it's like, do what they tell you they want you to do, right? Because that's typically what's going to get your numbers up is if you are um, consistently interacting with the algorithm in the way that they're telling you to. These guys are telling us, hey, make reels. I started making reels. My growth goes crazy. They don't want Instagram to be a photo app anymore. So I stopped posting photos, you know, just trying to stay authentic to yourself while still going on this roller coaster that is trying to figure out these algorithms. But with the shopping feature, I, I honestly don't know how I feel about it. I know for a fact I'm not going to um, offer subscriptions because I just find that, I don't know, I just, that's not my, I guess my personality and not, I'm not a dermatologist and I'm not licensed in any way. So to charge people extra money to see my content just feels a little weird. Um, not to say that other people shouldn't do the same, but that's just, you know, authentically what I'm feeling about that. And in terms of the shopping feature, it would be really nice to be able to click on a post and be able to shop that post. But I'm curious about what links are we using? Are there, are they going to create their own affiliate marketing company that we have to use? Am I able to use my like to know it links, my shop list links where I'm getting affiliation? You know, where is that percentage going? So I just, I need to kind of look into it a bit more before I know. Okay. I think it would be fascinating if Instagram came out with their own version of like to know it that I didn't have to leave the platform on and I could track everything all in one platform. I think that would be super fascinating. 
but does well I guess it would have the structure I mean it's Instagram after all I was like but is it like to know it you know and would people convert over and I'll be honest with you like I and if you are from like to know it or reward style you're great but the platform itself is boo-boo it's not good I don't like it at all I have so many complaints it's one of the, for me okay I complain about apps that have three different apps to make them work and like yeah. to know it has become one of those apps yeah. where I have to have three other things to make one app work and that drives me insane I know like you have to have link ninja you have to have like to know it. and then even when you use like to know it links it takes you to like to know it instead of directly to that page like it's just a mess, but they kind of are like the top dog when it comes to affiliate marketing, you know, and there are some others, but I use shop lists for my YouTube videos, but they don't have products like home products, decor or fashion. So it's just hard to know, but I agree hundred percent. I think that would be a next move for Instagram if they wanted to, again, like represent a creator a little bit better. It, it, I would totally do that. Now, on the affiliate note, do you as a creator see a ton of your revenue passive or not come from affiliate marketing? Or is that a very up and down thing for you? And do you see a lot of your revenue come in from partnerships? So definitely the biggest chunk comes from partnerships. And I am very lucky that my husband is a financial advisor. So <laughs> he and I are really on the same page when it comes to, um, you know, like planning out my year, my content and my partnerships and all of that. So I have a really good look at where my money is coming from and what percentage from each category. Huge percentage comes from partnerships uh, for sure, like over 80%. The thing with affiliate marketing for me is I think that it is the highest converting on YouTube personally. I know that people see a lot of good luck with it on Instagram, but as a consumer on these platforms as well, I'm not the type of person who typically buys within the Instagram app because I might have an account that I want to log into on this app that I'm purchasing from on Sephora or on Amazon or whatever it is. I don't like purchasing within the app because maybe I want to add a cart later that has more products in it. So, you know, sometimes those fall off. So I may have a really high click rate and a low conversion rate because I just think the shopping in app is horrible. I think if they allowed for other apps to be integrated into Instagram, whereas like if you have a Sephora link, it would take you to the app instead of to Sephora.com on Instagram, just things like mm -hmm. that. I get it why, why those people fall off, but I definitely have the highest conversion rate on YouTube. And then to answer your question, definitely partnerships is, is my biggest chunk. That makes sense. And we'll definitely come back to the partnership conversation later. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to circle back to the subscriptions feature. So I know you're not going to be using it, but do you see yourself paying for other people's subscriptions? First, I definitely don't want to say I'll never be using it because like who knows what that's going to turn into, right? Like it could easily turn into something else that is completely different, but probably not. And that should tell you also like I am, and I keep saying this, but like I am a beauty consumer. I, I am basically my own um, demographic. And so if I'm not using a subscription for even influencers that I love, mm -hmm. that should probably tell me like, you know, I, is this really necessary that I would be getting something so extra from them that I would be paying for it? And the answer is no. Like, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I just think there's a better way to do it. Yeah. 
yeah, everybody that I've talked to so far and Taylor and I have had a few conversations about this, but we're just like, I don't see most people unless like you said, if you are a licensed dermatologist or something, then maybe you have something worth somebody paying for. But if you're just an influencer or creator, most likely it's going to be hard to find something worth paying for. And to me also, I'm kind of like, if you're a dermatologist and you're doing like, I mean, that's a whole nother story about like online (laughs) medical people, but it's like, I don't know. To me, that's their answer to OnlyFans. Like they, Instagram is really, really strict when it comes to nudity. And so I'm wondering, is this their way to kind of get around that and have this, okay, now we're combating OnlyFans, TikTok, videos can be long. So YouTube, you know, and TikTok's doing the same thing. Apparently they're allowing 10 minute videos now. And I'm like, oh yeah, I was just about to bring that up. I can't do it. I'm glad you have the same feeling we have about it. Yeah, no. Okay, because here's the thing. Do I logically know as a creator this means I need to start making longer form content? Uh. Yeah, <laughs> but like you're at that point, why aren't you on YouTube, you know? That's what yeah. I'm saying. I'm like, you will not catch me watching a 10-minute video in in long form, like in, in, in portrait mode. Like, yeah. I don't know. To me, it's like they're all trying to compete with each other, which I do understand. But at a certain point, you have to think, well, is this just going to turn into one thing one day where, okay, everybody give it up and we're just all going to use this one thing where everything I make is on this one <laughs> app because it's too much. Might as well. I think what's super interesting to actually think about is the dissociation between, because I get it really, social media platforms really have two audiences. It is the general consumers, the people that are going to be downloading the platforms for free, just using it for fun, Mm -hmm. shooting the shit on it. And then there are the advertisers and the advertisers are the people that bring in their revenue, but really they need the users in order to even draw the advertisers in. So I feel like all of these social media platforms, and I'm going to take Instagram for an example, are losing their essences of what they were truly known for, like Instagram being the original photo sharing app. Mm -hmm. I miss that. If I wanted to video content, if I wanted long form, I'd be going to YouTube. And if I wanted short form, I would be going to TikTok and or Vine back in the day because I was also a huge Vine fan as well. (laughs) So I just, there's a huge disconnect with between these platforms and everything they're trying to do because it's just running in circles essentially because again I get the whole the advertisers bring in the money but the users don't even want these platforms anymore yeah yeah I feel like Pinterest is the only one staying in its lane but even they're getting into videos (laughs) aren't they and stories and stuff so yeah they're all just starting to look the same (laughs) I freaking tried with Pinterest like my friend Kevin was like just post your, you know, I have some friends who do really well on Pinterest by reposting their content. And I was like, I can't, like, I, I just won't do it at a certain point. Enough is enough. And that's kind of how I feel with this TikTok 10 minute shit. Like I'm like, for a split second, a tiny part of me was like, uh, okay, I guess I'll film my YouTube videos farther away so that I can crop my face into a nine by 16 and upload there. And then I was like, no, no, you're not doing this. I no, (laughs) And I know that there's going to be someone out there who does it and does it right. And that would be someone who uses TikTok as their entire platform, right? Like someone who does 15 second videos, three minute videos, and 10 minute videos. I have a feeling Michaela is going to end up doing 10 minute videos very well. Totally. And like she could easily have a YouTube channel. It kind of shocks me that she hasn't already. I I was just, she does it. 
No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Because she posts an insane amount on TikTok. She does not use Instagram at all, basically. Wow. I think her entire platform is on TikTok. So exactly what you said. I think she'd be the perfect example of someone who will utilize everything TikTok has to offer, you know? You know, but then on that note too, I love that for her. I love that she's focusing all of her energy and her time on the platform. She's seeing the re- the highest return on investment. But then on that note, I have to wonder, and also she's Michaela. Her name at this point is a household name in the makeup and beauty community. So this could be all irrelevant. But then that comes to the whole diversifying your platforms mm-hmm. conversation. The we don't technically own our social media. Mm-hmm. Instagram could turn paid all of a sudden and all of us could be paying $4.99 a month to even have our pro profiles if we wanted. And at that point, we could all debate on if social media is worth our mental health to be paying for at that point. But yeah, you're right. No, no. you're absolutely right. And I think about that all the time. Because when your money is coming, well, when you're when you're when your content is really not your own, it is. But like you said, at any time, as we've seen with Vine, right, there were these huge Viners that were making literally millions of dollars on the app for just one day for them to open it and it to be gone. Crazy. And I, I personally don't know that TikTok is going to be a forever app. It it, it might be. I think that our um, attention spans are getting less and less and less. And so, Oh, for we, sure. We could be going back to Vine um, for all I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure the average consumer needs to see something between 8 and 12 times before they'll even consider purchasing now. And that's just from yeah, paid wow. advertising stats. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the uh, that's funny. The YouTube stats for that is someone will watch an average of seven videos of someone before they subscribe. And I'm assuming that the TikTok number is even higher because I will see someone on my TikTok for you page upwards of 30 times and not and not follow them. Mm-hmm. I'll so, feel like I am subscribed to them because I see them so frequently in my for you page that I don't even think to hit right. the subscribe button. Exactly. And I think that a part of that also has to do with how many people are on the platform now and how much of a everyone's using it type of thing it is because when I started using it in the summer of 2020, there were not as many, it was not as saturated with creators. And so I had a viral video and I gained literally like 12 to 16,000 followers overnight. That stuff doesn't happen as much anymore. It's like a lot of creators have kind of bottomed out at this number that they're at because Again, like you said, we're all just kind of consuming the For You page and the following feature, it doesn't really do that much for you on TikTok. Well, and I also think it's interesting to explore the note of the creator fund on TikTok. So there's a certain allotted amount of money. I wish you all could have just seen Rudy's face. (laughs) Uh, But there's a certain amount of money that hasn't changed at all since TikTok started it. And yet there are hundreds of thousands of new people entering the creator fund every single day. That's definitely impacting your views. That's definitely Mm -hmm. impacting video performance. You think that being in getting money from TikTok affects your views? I've heard a lot of people complain about that, that once they joined the creator fund, all of a sudden their performance tanked. And that could be, I, as a social media manager, I have neutral feelings towards people complaining about that anyways, because there's a lot of factors to look into. Like, you know, there could be new features you're not utilizing. There could be maybe your content is just not as engaging as it once was because creators, everybody goes through up and down spirals of when you're on and off and when the content feels like it just flows, you know? 
So, but I have heard a lot of people complain that once they um, join the creator fund, their video views tanked. And I know a few people too, and I've seen videos on my For You page of people who have left the creator fund and saw their performance skyrocket back up because they were no longer playing for the money piece. I... I don't know. I feel like that is just an excuse people say for why their videos aren't doing well. Like to me, it makes no logical sense why an app would punish you for doing what they want you to do. Same with Instagram. People have that have that opinion about uh, bonuses, which I'm in the bonus program and I make 10 times more a month on Instagram now than I do on TikTok, which is kind of crazy. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, the TikTok creator fund is literally cents. It's cents on the dollar, which is fine. And, you know, I brought this up to my husband too. I was like, I said exactly what you said, which is like, why, you know, there are so many more people creating and people that want to be on this app. Why aren't they increasing the amount of money Mm -hmm. they're giving to creators? And Reed, my husband was like, why would they? There's billions of people who join and who want to be on this app every day and are going to be on it no matter what. They know they don't have to pay you anymore. And he's freaking right. You know, most of my partnerships are on TikTok or people are interested on TikTok um, in partnering with me. So even at the end of the day, I mean, they, they're going to – they could pay me $0 and I'm still going to post. And I think they know they have that leverage over creators right now. Yeah. and But – at the end of the day, too, it comes back to earlier our conversation about where you're making the majority of your money. Yeah, your part it's coming from partnerships and direct relationships that you have built with brands over time, not the creator fund. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think there is a portion of my monthly income that comes from platforms directly. Instagram right now paying the most. I will say right now I've been in the bonus program for like three months and they pay me on views of my reels. So not even likes, not even comments, really not even engagement. It's just views. So that's one aspect of it. Then there's YouTube, which comes through advertisements. You have to hit a thousand subscribers before you are um, accepted into the YouTube partnership program. And then the TikTok creator fund, which is maybe you know, $50 a month. I mean, it's pretty abysmal. Not to say that that's mm-hmm. not something, but it comparatively, you know. Honestly, I would have thought a creator of your size would have been making much more off of the creator fund. So even that number, even though I was expecting it to be low, still kind of shocks me. Yeah, I, I would say maybe like um, an Addison Ray or something like that. Charlie D'Amelio. Yeah, they're probably making, you know, some bank. But... Yeah, you know, a lot of – and we talked about last time with my videos, like I make different types of videos, some that you are trying to reach a a really wide audience that you feel, oh, maybe this will go viral, some that I make for my followers specifically, which I know those views aren't going to be, you know, astronomical. But those are the people that are also shopping your affiliate links and, you know, it it, it all goes into building the relationship Mm -hmm. too. They're – they're so devoted to you and following you across platform too. Yeah. And it's, um, it's kind of crazy. It's like, I really, um, didn't start doing this to like try and convert people into consumers because I had a full-time job that I really liked before this. And of course I was like, that would be great. But 
No, you were the definition of a beauty enthusiast because I found your content (laughs) at like the beginning, uh, sometime in the middle of the pandemic. And it was just like, honestly, your page on TikTok reminded me of old school YouTube and what I fell in love about it, which was people sitting on the floor in direct sunlight, just talking about the products they were obsessing over their empties. And I was like, oh my God, I love this page. This is 2014 YouTube, (laughs) but with like 10 times times better camera quality and dewier products. Oh my gosh. That's the best compliment because that's how I feel about it. A lot of the people that I still follow on YouTube, I've been following for years. I mean, since I was a kid, you know, almost. And um, The choke-hilled Jacqueline Hill holds over me since <laughs> I have been following her since she lived in that Chicago apartment when she had no kitchen lighting and her camera was like propped up on a cereal Oh my box. gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Same with Makeup by Tiffany D and love Tiffany. I mean, addicted to Tiffany. Reed knows these women's names and men. Like he knows their names in our house. It's 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 my form of entertainment. It's what I watch, honestly, more than TV. And I will say one thing with starting to create content. I noticed myself kind of consuming less of it with other people. Um I I do more now, but when I was just starting, I I started feeling myself feeling comparative all the time. And I, I still do that on TikTok. And I think that's an issue that a lot of creators deal with, but being like, Oh, this girl's so freaking creative. Her videos do so well. And like, why can't I make videos like this? You know, instead of being like, Oh, I like this video. I want to follow this person. Mm -hmm. And I really was stuck in that mindset for a while. And had to kind of refresh what my for you page was started liking animal videos to get out of like this spiral. And you know, over time, I think I learned to get out of it. But I think it's it's super common to feel that oh, way. Yeah. It is so important to consume the content that you're not creating all of the time. Yes, I was just about to say, I'm glad you brought up having a healthy, like consuming to mm-hmm. creating ratio, because I think when you are a creator, you should be spending about 80% of your time creating and staying in that zone of genius mm-hmm. and 20% of your time consuming. And if you start creeping in the scope of like any of those percentages, you're going to start to feel the mental health Definitely. decline. And on that note, I also feel that way every time I watch Angela Park's transition videos, how is she Stop, so me too. How does she do the things she does? (laughs) She's one of those people who she is one of my best friends online and I adore her because she's actually so freaking nice. And I'm like, God damn it. I want to sit in her car with her and have a solo date. (laughs) Yes. You guys should have her on the pod. She's so sweet. I would love to. Yeah, she would totally do it. I mean, I don't know. I'm speaking on her behalf. She would laugh at this. But people like that where I was like, I love their videos and I want to make videos like them. And then you have to realize you're never going to make videos like somebody else because you're not that person. And the people who are following you are not following you to be so that you mm-hmm. can make videos like someone else. And I kind of had to realize that because, again, like you said, these transition videos are people who are super aesthetic there's this like really tiny part of me, which me and my therapist call my fantasy self, right? Everyone has this fantasy self that like you want that to be you, but it's not you. And kind of learning to let go of that persona and who that fantasy self is. And for me, my creator fantasy self, right? She's really aesthetic. Her feed is like really pretty and But she's also like a little quirky and funny, but that's not who I am. Who I am is like the girl who posts wearing like the rescue bomb all over her face and is like funny and stupid. And that's who I really am. And 
when I try and post aesthetically, I notice that it doesn't actually resonate with my audience in the way it does when I'm just being stupid and funny because that's why people are following me, not for this version of myself that I, you know, have sort of created mm-hmm. in my mind. They follow you because you feel like the bestie that they could sit on the floor and talk about all their favorite products yes. with. Yeah. And you know, they may follow other people for that aesthetic feeling. I follow a lot of those people. That doesn't necessarily mean I'm cut out for that. I'm not. But, you know, we have to remember that people are following multiple creators online. And if you can't give them something that's not authentic, they'll find that somewhere else, you know? Absolutely. You know, it's funny you were saying this too, because I also, I try to make really aesthetic videos and I don't do a bad job of it, but I'm also really loud and I'm really obnoxious. Like one of my favorite (laughs) memes and gifts to send all of my friends is that fish from Finding Nemo where he's like, I'm obnoxious. (laughs) Like that, that is me. And I find every time I do a voiceover or I just talk to the camera, I think people get my personality and my facial Mm -hmm. expressions a lot more. And that's when I, my videos in general perform better. And I've been starting to figure that out too. Yeah. Both of your accounts, when you post on your stories talking, I usually click on your account and other creators too. That's usually their personality of them just talking on their stories is what gets me to go view their other content. So I feel like that's a lot more important, at least for myself as a creator. I would rather have their personality than the aesthetics. And I will say, Taylor, I went to your page before we met online here to look for a damn video of you talking because I didn't know which one was which and I couldn't find a single one. I was like, (laughs) her face is beautiful. I love her. What the hell does she sound like? So time to get talking, both of you. And I will say like the time that we're living in right now when it comes to being a creator is meant for people like you and me who are obnoxious and loud and like unapologetic because there was a time, right? Let's go back to like 2012 where we maybe, well, you're aesthetic. So I'll just say myself, I would have not performed well on Instagram or as a creator because I don't have that aesthetic Mm -hmm. gene in me. Like my house is not aesthetic. My, I'm not, that's not who I am. And so now the fact that people are asking for authenticity and camera and (laughs) authenticity and camera and speaking, just all of the things that make you outgoing and kind of um, make other people feel comfortable. Now's the time to kind of show who you are because that's what people want. They don't want that picture perfect image anymore. And I just feel very lucky that I started doing this at a time Mm -hmm. when it made sense for my personality. Yeah, I will say that is a good part of all of the changes that they're making. I hate most of them, but it is good that personalities are really shining through and the craziness of life and it's not all got to be picture perfect. On the personality note, how have blooper videos performed for you? (laughs) Um, I don't do that many. I would say bad. Really? (laughs) Interesting (laughs) because I feel like bloopers always showcase so much personality. I know. I love blooper videos. I do too, but here's the thing. Like, so I'll do bloopers within my YouTube videos. So I keep a shit ton of them in the video and I'll like put a stupid voice over it. And that shows my personality kind of throughout the video. But Mm -hmm. when I do a dedicated blooper reel on TikTok, which I do sometimes, a lot of people are like, I came here to see a lipstick swatch and maybe you're funny, but I didn't come here just for you to like be stupid. You know, like again, with the attention span on TikTok, people are like, damn, TikTok's next, hard. next, next, next. <laughs> I wanted one thing from you and one thing only. <laughs> oh, but for real. I mean, if I, for even for example, I made an aesthetic video of my time in Scottsdale as like this little vlog and I was mm. like, this is so cute. And it took me all week to make. And literally my followers were like, 
where's the fucking lipstick? I, we don't care about this. Like, what sunscreen you know, that, were you wearing? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're like, so should I eat my tretinoin? Like, literally, should it's I just eat my tret- <laughs> people want answers on TikTok of one, should I buy this? Two, how do I buy it? And three, like, what does it look like? Anything outside of that, oh it's kind gosh. of like, leave that at the door. That's fair. Okay. Now I'm going to selfishly ask you a question. If yes. I very, very sporadically use TikTok, and I always say that when I post TikTok videos, I see the followers like like five or six at a time like will come in, which compared to Instagram is insane. You know, you spend so much time on an Instagram post and sometimes it's not even seen. So yeah. would you, if you were starting over today, would you primarily focus on TikTok? hundred percent. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, yeah, because right now and for the foreseeable future, that is where every single person is. Um, people who were not consuming on Instagram or YouTube or had any preference in ever watching content are on TikTok. For example, my husband, my husband is on TikTok. He was never a YouTube watcher. He doesn't follow, you know, content creators on Instagram, but he is, on TikTok, you know, following golf influencers. He's following, you know, people that he would have never known about if it wasn't for this app. So the 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 reach alone of who you can see and find on TikTok is enough for me to say, yes, I would put all of my eggs in that basket if I was starting over right now. Love that. All right. Now the last thing I really want to focus on and come to with this is yeah. coming back to earlier, we were talking about just brand partnerships. I think there's yeah. a lot of strategy and a lot of effort that goes in behind the scenes to building brand relationships. When mm-hmm. you were first starting off, were you cold pitching or were you one of those creators that kind of waited for brands to start approaching you and kind of go from there? So I had an interesting relationship with that because I did have a full-time job. And again, I was doing this solely as a hobby. And I will say as a side note, I think that it's unfortunate to say, but I think that people who do it as a hobby and aren't looking to make money, they tend to have growth because people are attracted to, oh, this is an authentic person. They're not doing this for money because people are really, really freaked out by sponsorships. I think there's also something to be said about not being tied to the results and the views. Like if you were posting yeah. genuinely just yeah. to have fun with it to for the for the eight true fans that you know you have on the page, and if those <laughs> eight people watch the video, you're going to be ecstatic, you know? Mm, yeah. That's, that's really what shows through the, in the videos and the personality, you know? Yeah, 100%. And so because it was like that for me for a full year before I got any paid work, I was doing it for fun and for free for hashtag fun free live laugh love. And so my first couple of partnerships that came in were the brand approaching me and that's kind of how it started. So as my TikTok following grew, my partnership asks grew. And I will say part of that is also that I had right a whole year of content to basically share or or point to and say, oh yeah, I use Paula's Choice. I've used Paula's Choice for a year. I've talked about it a hundred times on my YouTube and Instagram platforms. And so it just makes sense that they would approach me and we can have this partnership. And it really makes, it's a perfect collaboration for the both of us. And so that's definitely a piece of advice that I would just slide into this conversation is that 
If you're looking for paid work, what you have to do first is make free work. You have Mm -hmm. to talk about, you know, if you want to work with Summer Fridays. So here's an example. I bought this eye cream from Summer Fridays. I really, really, really liked it. I love the brand. I love their products. I've never worked with them. I don't get PR from them. But I thought, you know what? I'm going to make a video about this anyways. Maybe there's a chance that they see it. And who knows? We can start a conversation after that. I made the uh, a video on the product and within a week they had reached out asking if they could boost it. So, you know, I now have a part or, you know, I'm, I'm making a little bit of money from this video that was intentionally made to be free mm-hmm. um, or not a partnership by any means. So just remember, there's always a chance that you making something leads to a partnership or leads to paid work down the road. And not everything can just start off by being like, oh yeah, they're going to pay me for this, you know? Mm-hmm. I feel like when there's not that paid expectation too, it does feel more natural and genuine. Yeah. hundred percent. And like I catch myself doing that all the time when I'm making um, an, an ad for something. I'm like, God, I actually really like this. And I try and put myself in a mindset where I'm like, I want people to know that this is so genuine that it almost mm-hmm. comes off in genuine because you're trying so hard to be like, please believe me because you know that people have a hard time trusting sponsored mm-hmm. work. And it's such a, it's such a game that we play because you're following this brief, right? Given by a brand and you're also trying to be authentic to yourself. And sometimes and your- they have specific scripting too. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I can only imagine. And then you're trying to maintain that trust with your followers at the same time as following their script. That'd be tough. I know. <laughs> It really is. It's it's a game you have to play with the brand and also with your following. Like I am super upfront about my partnerships in the terms of mm-hmm. one, obviously I follow FTC guidelines to the T. I always disclose. And if I'm going to create paid work, I try and tell people that, hey, the next couple of stories are going to be paid work with ColourPop. If you have questions on this, on this, how this works, or if you have a question on the product, like let's talk about it. And I would say 99% of the time people are actually like, Oh, thanks for telling me, get your bag girl. I'm so happy for you. Mm -hmm. Um, instead of kind of being like behind the scenes, like I love this lipstick swipe up. And then you never talk about it again. And people are like, was that an ad? I was, I just bamboozled, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. I think it's just easier to be upfront and be like, yeah, I'm being paid for this and I really like it. And if you want to talk about it, let's talk about it. Yeah. Can we actually talk about those guidelines for a second? Cause I don't think that happens with like does that is that with youtube too but i know like in movies and stuff if they have a coke can and coke's paying them or whatever they don't have to disclose that i feel like that's kind of bullshit that influencers do too (laughs) so actually they do with those in those movie credits that you don't read at the end all of the disclosures are there no hi advertising i I could talk about (laughs) ftc guidelines for a very very long time there there are a lot of things that go on in the TikTok YouTube sphere with creators that are like, well, my my brand videos or my videos do worse when I disclose that it's a partnership. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah no shit. But also like you're not exempt from the law. Yes. Yeah. I could not agree more. And also you're duping out your, your following, the people that follow you and care about you and want to see you do well. What do you have to hide from them? Like – I don't know. I think it's two part. It's that. And then also, like you said, it's legit the law. What what makes you think that you don't have to abide by that? One mm-hmm. of the biggest launches that ever happened in the social media space that to this day I still cannot stomach is the launch of the Naturium brand. 
Ah, okay. How yeah. all of that came to be and how she was essentially illegally promoting her brand for like six months without disclosing that she was the owner, the founder, the CEO before publicly announcing that company was so beyond against the law. And so that as an advertiser, that was really hard to stomach. Yeah, I totally understand that. And it definitely rubbed me the wrong way as well. And I think that there are a lot of instances in the beauty community where things have rubbed people the wrong way. And it's funny because it's like, you would think based on this industry, like there's an entire community of drama around Mm -hmm. this, around makeup and shit. It's just crazy. Like 2016 YouTube was hot. Oh, it's still hot. And I'll be a hundred percent upfront with you. I, I am up to date on all of it. Like I, (laughs) the tea, it's one of those things. It's exciting. It's like, Oh, what's going to happen next? Mm -hmm. But being on the creator side of it, I can see, you know, a a lot of people are doing their best and what they think is the right thing to do. And because people have an audience that is so big, it's everybody's going to mess up. Well, everybody's going to do something wrong. And something that I always try to keep in mind too, like, (laughs) <laughs> a notorium exempt because that, that's just again yeah. but a lot of yeah. these people that have blown up like charlie d'amelio at the age of 15 i don't expect her to know ftc laws that was my degree that's not something she should have known at the age of 15 yeah. you know like totally get and also i'm just using her because she's yeah. somebody who yeah. blew up really big she's never mm. violated ftc laws i will say that now <laughs> i don't want that to get misconstrued but yeah <laughs> i'm calling the d'amelios i will say yeah like i did you guys watch that her show. I did not, show. but mm-hmm. I heard really good things about it. Like I heard people say it was better than they were expecting. That's good. It was so sad. It was really? so sad. Those girls are like, I would say a good half of the show is about how Charlie is severely depressed and hates being famous. Oh, that makes me so sad to hear. Wait. Yeah. You should go watch it. I mean, it's just, it gave me a whole new perspective on these kids because I'm like, God, there's nobody protecting these kids. And that's mm-hmm. a whole – literally, that's a whole other podcast. But that just goes to show you that power of TikTok is that anyone can be a celebrity overnight and that means people are bound to make mistakes because mm-hmm. we don't have media training. We're just people, you know? No, for sure. And all these partnerships in social media at that level too can mm-hmm. get really scary really fast because, I mean, A, you yeah. go to the Kardashian level of fame, there are people out, out in public that you might not know. The parasocial relationship with fame yes. people yeah. is mm-hmm. – it's out there, okay? I just – I feel so bad. The safety is a concern. The mental health is a concern. There's so much. Yeah. The diving into every aspect of your life and tearing you apart, and hopefully you've never done anything bad that's documented ever in your life. Cancel, <laughs> cancel culture. Yeah. The the roller coaster of being canceled at least once a year. I know. I at know. this point, it's just like people don't even care when they're canceled anymore. They're like, "Yeah, no. it's just my turn." <laughs> that's why, again, I go back to what I said in our first episode, which is like, if you're gonna do this, you need to be really secure in who you are mm-hmm. because people are going to find a way to to shake that in you and shake your core and say, you're a bad person. And, you know, to be honest, some of them are, some of, some of these people out here are not the best, but if you really want to do it authentically and you really want to create a life out of it, there is a part of you that has to separate the two and realize, I don't know this person and they, they don't truly know me. You know, I talk mm-hmm. about tubing mascara online. What, what do you really know about me? It's not that <laughs> deep at the end of mm-hmm. the day. 
And sometimes it is that deep, you know, like I am the type of person who decided that, and I mentioned this too in our last one, that I wanted to make my social media a brand in the sense of it's me as a person. Mm -hmm. And that means sometimes integrating my personal beliefs about things like (laughs) human rights and Mm -hmm. the way that I – the things that I believe in and what I think is important and that will definitely – make people upset. A lot of people upset with me over a number of things that have happened over the past three years, major things that have happened in our country. And, you know, I'm just, I'm okay with that. And I've decided that, you know, I'm I'm never going to not talk about something like that's important to me or that might help other people because I might lose followers. Like whatever. You're losing the right people then. Yeah. 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 I feel like people need to stop looking at influencers and creators as like political activists too, because I feel like it's like, if you have a big enough following, you're expected to post something at, you know, when something comes up. And if you don't, people are going to look at you and be like, why aren't you saying something and using your platform? But it's like, like Rudy, you do makeup. That's not your thing. Yeah. You know, so it would make sense if you don't want to post something every time something political comes up. But a lot of people expect that. And sometimes I think people need in that regard to need to be okay with other people saying, you guys, I'm not 110% educated on this. I need to do more listening before I comment. Please give me some space while I do that. I had a situation like that and I'm not going to call out specific um, events that have happened over the past year, but there was something that happened with me like that where someone reached out and was like, why aren't you talking about this? You talk, you've talked about X, Y, Z. And I, I always try and approach those conversations with kindness because they're already a little fired up. So Mm -hmm. if I come back fired up, it's just going to raise that level. And so I always am like what you said, Taylor, I'm like, you know, I, this is a, centuries long situation and it's not something I can properly wrap into a bow and present on an Instagram story, but I let's talk about it together. If you want to talk about it, we had this amazingly long DM conversation. And at the end of it, we were, I was able to, to learn something from it. You know, I don't think again, not everything can be wrapped into a bow. And and I, I agree with what you said too, Chloe, where it's like, no, I definitely don't think that, you know, Nikki tutorials take on, you know, whatever is super important to me. But I think that the influential piece of it is kind of like, well, you, you are an influencer, whether Mm -hmm. you want to be or not. And so if you can share positive positivity and, and do the right thing, why not? I have both of those thoughts. So I don't know. I, I agree. I think why not? It's like an easy, good thing to do, but you don't have to. It's kind yeah. of how I feel about it. Um, but yeah. that is actually all of our questions for you for today. So you gave us a few awesome <laughs> products last or not last week, but in our part one. So this week yes. we want to know what's your favorite act of self-care? Favorite act of self-care, I'm going to go ahead and be that girl and say doing my makeup. I freaking love doing my makeup. I love sitting down. And I'll be honest, my favorite part, my favorite kind of time doing my makeup is doing it off camera. I love doing my makeup on camera and kind of being like, this is what I'm using. But that meditative experience that I Mm -hmm. get is actually from being completely silent and shutting the hell up for once in my life. And like listening to a YouTube video of someone else doing their makeup Mm -hmm. and doing mine. Would you um, say you're a makeup girly over a skin girly? 
God. That's don't put me in a box, Taylor. <laughs> that's that's she what I don't both. <laughs> I really am both though. I would consider myself a beauty. She is a hybrid enthusiast. product. She is the skincare. Yes. She is the makeup yeah. that I... acts like skincare. <laughs> oh my god. I'm so happy that's a thing now. <laughs> you guys, quick plug, my next YouTube video will be my favorite skincare makeup hybrids Ooh. because I feel like my audience is split right down the middle. Half half the people are like, we don't care about makeup, and the other half are like, we don't care about skincare. And I'm like, Get it together. <laughs> Gonna give you both then. <laughs> Can I link the video in the show notes? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, it'll be out on Tuesday. So yes. Perfect. Awesome. I will definitely have this one in the show notes for you guys for easy clickability. Go check out Rudy's video. Uh, thank okay. you. If you're a skincare king or queen or a makeup king or queen, we have room for everyone at the table. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. As always, we will have Rudy's links uh, all in the show notes as below. (laughs) Rudy, I will not make you ramble them off as we did in the last episode. I'll copy and paste everything. But thank you guys so much for being with us. And we will talk to you guys next week. I had so much fun. Thank you, guys. All right, you guys. That is it for today's episode. We hope you guys enjoyed it. And as always, we love you so much. Be sure you are following us over on Instagram at CEOish Podcast. We always post polls and episode updates and info about our guests over there. It's a great time. You should definitely check it out. And you should follow us on our personals, of course, at ChloeW.art and at TayGramBiz. Make sure you're subscribed to CEOish wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, be sure to give the show a five-star review. It really does help us out, and we read every single one. And we will see you, CEOs, in the next episode. Bye. <laughs>